Hey there, friends. Happy Thanksgiving week, and welcome to this week's episode of the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that's dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart in your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and this week we are here with you to study in sections 135 and 136 of the Doctrine and Covenants. But first, happy Thanksgiving. Um, we are getting this episode out just a little bit late, and maybe we should, should we blame it on the holiday? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's always a good excuse. Even though last week, so sorry that our episode got put out late. I had a few people message me and say, are you okay? Where's your episode? And it wasn't until a few days that I had even checked my messages and realized like, oh, we had recorded the episode earlier in the week than usual. And then we just forgot to post it. So, I'm sure there was some holiday last week somewhere yes, that we it's could always, blame it on too. It's always a holiday. So a anyway, this episode too is coming out a little bit late. Holiday again. Um, and we usually try and post our episodes every Friday. This one's going to be coming out Sunday night. But we will get back on schedule for those Friday. That's usually at least what we aim Except for. for next week when we won't record until Sunday again. So, so. maybe actually it's holidays for the next, <laughs> till the end of the year. Deal so. with it. <laughs> Anyway, here we are. We're studying these sections. Again, I just can't believe that we are ending up here already. Yeah, 135 yeah. and 136. We are ending the year and entering the Doctrine and Covenants. Well, and this really is an end, so to speak, of the Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, section 135. We'll, we'll have a couple more um, chances to study revelations given through the prophet joseph smith but section 135 is not a revelation through the prophet joseph smith because of course it uh, was was written after his death and section 136 uh, comes through brigham young and the quorum of the 12 apostles and so uh, we are at the end of the the revelations of the prophet joseph smith and um, so there's some finality to it this week just for background, section 135 is the eulogy that was written um, for the prophet Joseph Smith. And it's traditionally been attributed to John Taylor, though uh, there's no official designation of him in any of the notations. It could have been a, um, a group of, of church leaders that wrote it. Um, but certainly John Taylor was eyewitness to the events that happened in, Cur uh, in Carthage. John Taylor, Willard Richards uh, were both there. And, um, and then section 136 comes uh, well into the pioneer trek after they've left Nauvoo and they're in winter quarters and they're getting ready to make the trek west and comes through, the, through Brigham Young, who's now president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. And um, after uh, the prophet's passing and after the decision is made to leave Nauvoo, uh, the burden of leadership falls to the Twelve, as Joseph Smith instructed that it would and should. And uh, so they take the lead of this pioneer trek. So two really kind of um, interesting sections to study. Well, and not only are they different in subject matter, but also a pretty big time gap. Like mm -hmm. you mentioned that they're pretty far apart. And obviously we, I don't see a date on section 136, but... Obviously, we know about when section 135 would have been written, but we do know we can track it to where, like Zach said, they're actually in winter quarters when section 136 is given. Yeah, yeah. As I read these two sections this week and 
thought about how they were related to each other and, of course, how they were related to us. I remember reading a commentary a couple of years ago on um, a line in Malachi where it says that the Lord sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. And the writer of the commentary uh, recounted a story where a woman visited a silversmith to learn more about what the refinement of silver looked like. If the Lord refines us as silver, well, then what does that actually mean? And as she was interviewing or observing the silversmith, she noticed a couple of things. Uh, One of them was that she noticed that he would hold the silver that he was trying to refine in the hottest part of the fire. And uh, so she asked him about that, and he says, yes, not only do I have to hold it in the hottest part of the fire, but I can't take my eyes off it for even a minute because because it's in such a hot spot, uh, it has to be that hot so that it can burn away all of the impurities. But if I leave it in too long, then it'll ruin the silver. So I have to watch it for the exact moment when it's purified so that I can take it out of the fire. And she said, well, how do you know then whether or not it's pure? And he says, well, that's actually fairly easy. When I look at the silver and I can see my own reflections without any impurities, then I know that the silver is pure. And she, of course, connected that to the Lord refining us and purifying us, allowing us to go through experiences that help us to uh, grow and develop And as I read that, uh, a verse from 135 and a verse from 136 came to me. In 135, this is verse 6. Hiram Smith was 44 years old. Joseph Smith was 39. And they will be classed among the martyrs of religion. And the reader in every nation will be reminded that the Book of Mormon and this Book of Doctrine and Covenants of the Church cost the best blood of the 19th century to bring them forth for the salvation of a ruined world, and that if the fire can scathe a green tree for the glory of God, how easily it will burn up the dry trees to purify the vineyard of corruption. And then at the very end of that verse, from age to age shall their names go down to posterity as gems for the sanctified. And it struck me that Joseph and Smith, uh, Joseph and Hiram Smith, were at this point in their lives, at their death, so refined and purified, of course, not perfect, but they had allowed that refining process so much work in their own lives that this could be said of them, that they were gems for the sanctified. And then in section 136, as the saints are making the trek west, of course, it's no easy trek. Verse 29, If thou art sorrowful, call on the Lord thy God with supplication, that your souls may be joyful. Fear not thine enemies, for they are in in mine hands, and I will do my pleasure with them. My people must be tried in all things, that they may be prepared to receive the glory that I have for them, even the glory of Zion. And he that will not bear chastisement is not worthy of my kingdom. Again, refinement is needed. And so both of these sections carry that message or that context with it, the context of refinement, of purification. And the question that we wrestled with this week, the invest question we wanted to pose to you is, what do you do uh, during and after that trying or that chastising experience? Or how do you move through it um, so that you come out the other end purified instead of burned up? 
uh, ennobled instead of exhausted? How do you handle your own personal um, refining, sanctifying experiences? I really like this question, especially attached to these chapters, because I think you would look at them and think this really hard thing happened. Their prophet died. When he died, everyone thought that the church was just going to fade away Thus with Joseph. Ends Mormonism. Right. And, but obviously we know that's not the answer. So interestingly enough, you look and think, well, this is our answer. We moved on after something hard, but you know what they're in the middle of at winter quarters is in the middle of another really hard year as they move west and um, as they camp in this new place and try and build a new place before they move on and all of the work that they're doing. So ultimately, that's probably how we sometimes feel is that either you don't necessarily move on from something hard. Sometimes you're in the hard. And so I, I just have liked this study and thinking about what they were going through at this time and um, what to do after the hard or during the hard or um, I think all of those questions are, can be answered as we study. Um, so it was kind of a fun study for me. But the first thing that I came across or that came to my mind as I was reading about Joseph Smith as they were giving honor to all of the things that he did, um, and this is mostly I'm just going to pull a few phrases from verse 3 in section 135. Joseph Smith, the prophet and seer of the Lord, has done more, save Jesus only for the salvation of, the, of men. Um, he has brought forth the Book of Mormon, which was translated by the gift and power of God, um, publishing it on two continents for the everlasting gospel, has brought forth revelations and commandments from the doctrine and covenants. Um, thousands of Latter-day Saints have gathered from him and on and on about all these things he, have done, he has done. Um, and I just thought what came to my mind with that was, don't forget how far you've come. And I think that was in part what they were definitely trying to do as certainly they had a testimony of what they were doing, that this was God's work and that this was, they were preaching Jesus and they were ready to continue what Joseph has done. But so much of what they were doing was in honor of all that he had done. And so to remember and honor him and to honor Hiram was in part remembering, hey, we've come this far and they worked this hard. We can keep going too. And so when you're in those moments of hard or whether you're trying to move on, I think it's important to look back and see the progress that you've made. This may be a slight tangent, but um, I had to learn an unfortunate amount of times that when you're trying to overcome something difficult or trying to move through something difficult so that you can reach that more purified and... and uh, and repentant state that a step backward is only a step backward if something bad happens it doesn't mean that it erases all of the good that has come before that one relapse doesn't erase years or or time spent being um, good or sober um, one mistake doesn't erase all of the steps you've gone there it feels like that sometimes and probably did for them but um, but the reality is that they've they've come so far even though they've had this this tragedy well isn't that the reality check that unfortunately we all get when we're trying to do something hard or um work on something 
new is anywhere you look. If you Google any sort of progress, real life progress, I don't know, I've never actually Googled it, but I picture that this would be there. A little chart that has the, okay, this is how it's going to happen. You go straight up and there you go. You're up the mountain, but we all know that it goes up and down and up and down and gradually over time it goes up. But um, anyway, along with that was just as we move into section 136, some of these verses I just uh, I wrote next to him like keep pushing and don't stop and that's what they were expected to do this hard thing happened and they did that they left this beloved city they left a temple they left it to people that they knew were going to destroy it and not do nice things to their property um but they they moved on they kept pushing Verse 2, let all the people of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints journey on and continue. I made up those last couple words. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up for my scriptures, but you get the idea. You can read the real scripture. I made up my own last couple words. But moving on to verse 3 and 4 and 6, I'm going to read 6. When the companies are organized, let them go to with their might to prepare for those who are to tarry. Go with their might. So keep pushing and don't stop. And I think that sometimes all we can do in those moments is to just keep going, even though it might still be a little hard. That's a real foundational step. Understanding that, and we've circled this multiple times uh, in the past couple of months in our study, but understanding that God not only allows, but maybe even designs trying mortal experiences so that we can become sanctified. It's impossible to learn patience unless you go through experiences that try your patience. It's impossible to learn forgiveness unless you have people you need to forgive. It's impossible to learn charity and love and compassion unless you have people that are difficult to love and feel compassionate towards. And so understanding that God allows those requires then that we're patient with ourselves and that we push on and persevere when things get difficult and take those difficulties not as a sign that something's wrong, but actually that something's right and that we're in the middle of a sanctifying experience. As I read those verses at the beginning of 136, I found a pattern um, for how they should take care of themselves or how they should take care of their, their journey when they're going through a difficult experience. And so, and this might be a bit of a stretch, but it was interesting to me, um, the instructions that come to these pioneers in verse 2, as you read, uh, that they are to organize themselves according to the commandments and statues of the Lord our God. And then they say, this shall be our covenant, that we will walk in all the ordinances of the Lord. And so the first instruction that comes to them is to covenant or to tie themselves to their God. Of course, covenant means to bind two things together. The first uh, organizational step is for an individual to tie him or herself to God. Then in verse 5, let each company provide themselves with all the teams, wagons, provisions, clothing, and other necessities for the journey that they can. And it was interesting to me that the second instruction was for them to provide for themselves. And then the third is, as you said, starting in verse six, let them prepare for those who are to tarry. Uh, and instructions in verses eight and nine and 10 uh, to, of course, use their means and their influence to uh, create 
either uh, safe spaces for those who are going to stay behind in winter quarters or to send people forward to prepare the land uh, westward for the coming of the saints. That pattern of connect to God, care for self, and then care for others fascinates me because it runs contrary to something I have believed most of my life. Obviously, God is the number one focus and should be. Our tie should be with him. But I have always believed that to care for yourself uh, should be the final priority. You love God, you love others, you serve, you work, you labor, you care, and then after you've worn yourself to the bone, if there's anything left over, then you focus on yourself. And I get it that there's a desire to be selfless, to be humble and focus on God, and to be selfless and focus on love and caring for others. But what I have learned over the past couple of years, I think what we have learned as a people is we cannot ignore the provisions we need to make the journey. If I go straight from uh, service to service, work to work, labor to labor, without ever stopping and pausing and taking care of myself, stocking my wagon and, and providing the necessities that I need to make this journey, then I run dry or I break an axle or my wheel gets bent and I can't continue the journey. And I wish this wasn't as hard of a lesson for me to learn because I'm, I'm, because I'm learning it so late in life, I'm so bad at doing it. But when I'm able to love God and then uh, let him maybe love and care for me, it makes me such a better instrument in his hands as I try and serve and care for others. Well, like you said, I think that's been a really important element that both of us have had to learn. And I've always really liked the scripture I'm sure everyone likes the scripture where, you know, he, Jesus is asked, what are the great, what is the greatest of all commandments? And he answers and says to love God and love others as yourself. And I've always liked that idea of we don't, won't really learn how to love others until mm. we understand who we are and love our, give ourselves some of that love as well. And also adding God as part of that equation. And I saw that in these, in this section, in these verses, and couldn't help but put that as part of an answer to how to move on from hard things or how to get through hard things. And that is, that came first in verse four of section 136. And this shall be our covenant that we will walk in all the ordinance, ordinances of the Lord. And I thought what an important part that is for us to walk with the Lord through our journeys, just as it was for, for these pioneers preparing on this really long and hard trek that they were about to embark on. And um, then verse 21, it says, Keep yourselves from evil to take the name of the Lord in vain, for I am the Lord your God, even the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And I just like that he's reminding them who he is. And he goes on to talk about, to remember what he has already done. I led the children out of, I am he who led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And my arm is stretched out in the last days to save my people. Um, I think it's important to remember who he is. He's giving us that advice. We need to walk with him and remember who you're walking with. It's some, he is someone who has already done great things. In this case, hey, I'm someone who's already led people through the wilderness. I'm really good at it, so don't forget me. <laughs> and through our own wildernesses of, is wildernesses a word? It is now. It is. 
wildernesses, um, through our own hard things, through our own wilderness, that God is with us. He will walk with us if we let him. And he's already done things that are really big, and he is very qualified to help us through hard times. Well, to throw just one more, those verses you read were the best, but I like this one too, verse 19, right before those. If any man shall seek to build up himself and seeketh not my counsel, he shall have no power and his folly shall be made manifest. Um, I like the balance that we're discussing here to love God, to serve him and connect with him. Remember who we're walking with. Uh, and then to allow him and uh, allow him to to love us, to care for us, to focus on ourselves, uh, at least as we're gathering resources and supplies and, and for our journey. Uh, and then with that energy that we have and with that covenant with him to turn our attention on loving and, and caring for others. So uh, it feels like a really healthy pattern for progressing through a sanctifying experience. Well, as we have studied this year in church history and learned about so much about Joseph Smith and Hiram Smith and all of these pioneers. And then, of course, the stories of the pioneers that we that we honor and love. Um, it's interesting to remember and think of all of the hard things that they went for went through. And I know, Zach, earlier you mentioned that story of the silversmith. And I've always loved the quote from Joseph Smith where he calls himself, I am just a rough stone rolling. And I think we can... We can all really relate to that. Maybe something that we like about Joseph that makes him more human is that idea that that's kind of what we're all going through. We all have these these hard times and um, either going through or have gone through or continue through. So I think that these are really sections that um, can make us remember and honor people who have gone before us and done really hard things too. Um And so this last verse that I wanted to read, um, I think is really timely, like we mentioned, Thanksgiving, right? Um, So this is verse 29. If thou art sorrowful, call on the Lord thy God with supplication that your souls may be joyful. So I like that in the study that generally let's remember to, um, although we are being tried and there is probably a hard thing happening in our lives that there's always little things that we can look at and be grateful for or that we can even just be in prayer and be in agony with with someone who's going to listen to you in your prayers and this is really the perfect connect challenge that we have for you this week in honor of the holiday is to um, go to the lord that your souls may be joyful Um, go to the Lord with that much prayer and gratitude. I think in hard times, we can always find those little pieces of, of the good things and remember. Well, I think even being grateful for the trying challenges, uh, we, we often are very good at being grateful for the good things that have been given us, but if there's something we've learned from the past two years that we've all been through, maybe it's that some of the hardest experiences are the ones that teach us the most important lessons. And so maybe there's some space for gratitude for the sanctifying experiences that we go through. I love that. I think that's something that all of us can um, relate to. And certainly we know that um, that's what these pioneers did to get them through is to remember their Lord and remember to 
keep him with you in prayer and gratitude. And we hope that that's what you experience this week with your study and with your holiday. And we wish you the best. Thanks so much for studying with us this week. Have a great one.